Hello and a warm welcome back to Brailcast. Coming up on this episode, two conferences in the summer, or should that be the winter? It's an exciting time for Braille as we approach the 200th birthday of the Braille Code. And the International Council on English Braille will be celebrating in style this year with its 8th General Assembly, taking place in New Zealand, the theme of which is two centuries of Braille. But what is the International Council on English Braille, or ICEB, or ICEB? What's the purpose of its General Assembly? And how can we get involved? Well, joining us to tell us more is James Bowden, a good friend of the Braillists. James is also the Braille Technical Officer at RNIB, Chair of the Braille Coding Group of the UK Association for Accessible Formats, UCAF, Chair of ICEB's Braille Technology Committee, and the UK Representative on the ICEB Executive and Code Maintenance Committees. And I started off by asking James to just tell us a little bit more about the International Council on English Braille. So if you like, it's an overarching organisation of all the English-speaking Braille authorities, if, if I can use that term. So you've got countries like Australia, Canada, Ireland, South Africa, New Zealand, United Kingdom and United States. Marvellous. And uh, you said the term Braille authority there, so we perhaps ought to step back a little bit. So each of those countries has a Braille authority. What does the Braille authority do? Yeah, so basically it's an organisation responsible for standards of Braille and standardising of Braille in that country. In the UK, it's the UK Association for Accessible Formats, or UCAF. And they're the, they're the organisation responsible for the, keeping the standards of Braille in the UK. So each member country has one of these authorities, as they're called, and they do things like, oh, I don't know, what to do for tactile graphics or what to do for languages other than English, uh, what to do about Braille music and all that kind of thing. So one of the reasons for having ICEB is that we now all share a common Braille code across the English-speaking world. I'm sure many of us are aware there used to be little differences between the way we Braille things in the UK and the way things were done in, say, the United States. Also, it's one code for all subjects apart from music. So whether you're doing chemistry or English or geography or maths, it's the same Braille code for whatever subject. And ICEB then would be the body that brings that code together and make sure we're all implementing it in the same way. That's right. And it's not just make sure we're all implementing it the same way. It's, it's actually designed by the member countries. When UEB was first conceived if you like there were committee representatives from all those countries developing the code yeah and that the, there still are in fact uh, various committees that operate now that's right and it's also worth pointing out that many of the iceb members are braille readers themselves so people listening to that will probably just think well okay so it's a general assembly and we're going to be talking about ueb so it's a whole week to talk about ueb <laughs> that's not really the case is it what's the significance of an iceb general assembly yeah so because everybody's all over the world it's a chance to get together and actually discuss things face to face which is 
very important. Um, consider how a meeting online is different from a meeting in person. And if you only meet every four years, it's quite important. Yes. And that is important to mention, isn't it? The General Assembly does only happen every four years and it happens in a different country every four years. And in 2024, it's going to happen in New Zealand, which I think is probably the first time New Zealand have hosted a General Assembly. They might have hosted some smaller meetings like the midterm executive meeting, but it's their first General Assembly. So this is quite a big deal, isn't it? I think you're right there. Yes, I think it is their first time. So 2020 was supposed to be the UK. The UK certainly did organise it. But because of the pandemic, we had to make everything go online, which is a great shame. I know there were lots of disappointed people not coming to London. 2016, I think, was Baltimore in the States. 2012 was South Africa. And 2008, was Melbourne in Australia, I think. Yeah, that's right. And before that, it went to Canada. Um, and then there were a couple of repeat ones in the US uh, and the UK. So we're, we're coming to New Zealand. We're spending a week in person talking about Braille. And there's a mixture, I think, of business. So there'll be committee reports from you know the Code Maintenance Committee and the Music Committee and the Publicity Committee and the Technology Committee and papers and it's a bit early to say at this point what the papers for this year are going to be like but in previous years they've been quite varied haven't they they really have and i can only talk you know about my own experience but it's been fascinating not only the business reports which you know in some ways you might think are dull actually they're not because you can see what's actually going on in the field as a wider thing you know for example the daisy braille music project um is, is, in, includes a lot of countries developing programs and software to promote braille music to increase the availability of Braille music, to increase the automation of translation of Braille music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you're into Braille music, that's incredibly interesting. One of the things which I find very interesting about these general assemblies is what we call the country reports. And that's what's going on in the different countries. Uh, I remember one year Australia were promoting Braille by writing braille in sandcastles on the beach and of course everybody could walk by and say hey what's going on here another year there was canada they had a, what they called a braille bounce initiative where if you had a perkins braille that you didn't use you could bounce it as they termed it send it back get it refurbished and they would send it on to somebody who needed it and there's lots and lots and lots more the papers ranging all sorts of subjects loosely speaking you could say technology you could say education you could say code analysis you could say research um, but underneath that you could drill in and say well how is braille being taken up by older people or what is the proficiency of reading speed amongst blind children in certain country that sort of thing. All sorts of interesting subjects. Yeah. And I mean, anything from research like that, like you were just saying about reading speed or about reading proficiency or, or uptake of Braille or anything like that, right the way through to very practical things. I've seen papers launching Braille courses and I've seen papers, you know, about Braille products. Uh, there'll probably be quite a lot of focus this year on multi-line Braille displays, mm -hmm. curriculums, 
for example, all of that sort of thing, it tends to be covered in the papers as well. That's right. And there, there was one, uh, one year about uh, what actually goes on to automate, fully automate, transcribing, for example, a bank statement from print to braille with no human intervention. So it's totally secure. And then the following year, there was a, a paper about how automated braille transcription wasn't perfect and what needed to be done to improve it. <laughs> well, yeah. And there was, there was one actually from a transcriber all about um, what does following print actually mean? Because in some cases you don't and deliberately not. Yeah. And the sorts of editorial judgments that you need to make in Braille transcription to make it fit for purpose. And I suppose that's another reason why you might want to meet in person, isn't it? Because UEB is a standard code, but it's not necessarily a standard layout. And it's really interesting, isn't it? I think one person said when they went to the General Assembly in South Africa, they still have their agenda from South Africa because they were so impressed with how it had been embossed how it had been collated how it had been laid out and it was just something that they'd never seen before in their country mm. it, it is a chance to see how things are done in a particular country as well i remember 2016 in baltimore one person had brought a collection of 3d models of things that they were working on one of the things um, was a map um, a 3d map which you put on a tablet, if I remember, and then as you moved your finger around, it would actually tell you what it is you're looking at. There was almost a, a, like a mini exhibition in the Baltimore one. You had people bringing things that they were working on and so on and so forth. So if you're interested in these kind of papers, you can actually go to the ICEB website and have a, have a read of the previous papers from previous years. Yeah, and indeed the resolutions from the previous years as well. Ah, yes. They're the kind of outcomes from the conference which kind of set the direction of work for the next few years. And there have been all sorts of things, including uh, asking technology companies to make sure they're using the latest version of the Braille translation engine they use. So to get the best Braille translation in, for example, screen readers and phones and so on providing a statement about the importance of Braille during times of national emergencies. That's an interesting one. And at the time, it was incredibly relevant. Right through to really interesting ones, like preserving a record of shorthand Braille codes, like things like grade three and the Braille shorthand code is used in the UK. And there was another one found in Australia, the Braille user-oriented code. Yes. And those resolutions are drafted by committee, I think, but there's always an opportunity to feed into the resolutions and they're voted on and people can propose amendments to resolutions. So you really do end up with quite a robust policy statement, if you like, because the, the point is that you set a resolution at a general assembly and then the executive committee, with the help of the various other standing committees, discharge them. So you end up with some really quite robust policy to come out of those resolution discussions. Mm. And they've also got to be achievable as well. So, uh, yeah, we've got to try and work out how we're going to do this. So this sounds like a really exciting opportunity. There are some people who already know that they're going and there are some people who are entitled to go you know because they represent a braille authority and we've talked about the countries that are members of iceb already if you're 
not representing your Braille authority, can you still go? Yes, absolutely you can. So each Braille authority or each ICEB member, I should probably say, is welcome to send a delegation of up to four people, at least half of whom are touch Braille readers themselves. But anybody can observe at these conferences. And I should say my first experience of an ICEB meeting was the midterm meeting when it came to Birmingham in the UK in 2010. I was only there for one day, but I found that day absolutely fascinating, all the things that were going on. I think I heard things about country reports and how at the time in 2010, it was everybody was switching to UEB and how everybody was getting on with that, you know, the different perspectives. It was really, really interesting how Australia, for example, had got a lot of detailed plans and the year this we would do that and year the other we would do this. South Africa said, well, after one year, the teacher said, well, I've got to teach this code to that student and that code to the other student. Why can't we just switch? And then we have US were saying, well, we've got the backlash of this and some people like it and some people don't. And then you had Nigeria who said, well, actually, in Nigeria, we're just happy to have Braille. That brought it down to earth. That really did. Mm. Yeah, I can well imagine that. So it's certainly a conference that would be worth observing if you're able to get over there. Well, not even if you're you're able to get over there. I think they're planning to stream it online as well. So if you are unable to go, you can still observe online and enjoy the proceedings. Yes, that's a very important point there. And going back to observing in person and indeed attending in person, in some ways it's quite an expensive conference to attend in person because you've got to pay for a flight over to New Zealand and, of course, you've got to pay for your accommodation. But actually the conference fees themselves are quite generous. I've just had a quick look at the registration form and it looks like there's actually no fee at all to attend. You've just got to pay for everything else. Yeah, I believe the the conference organisers have... um waived all fees for people attending, which is very generous. As you say, you know, flights and accommodation, it can be quite expensive. But the fact that you only do it once every four years does mean it is worthwhile, especially if you're interested in all things Braille. Yeah, and particularly this one, I think, because of the pandemic, I think this has been the first face-to-face General Assembly since 2016 and the first face-to-face ICB meeting of any sort since 2018 so it's been you know it's been a long time it's been you know six years since we've had a meeting now of course the iceb executive have met regularly online so we're still very much in touch with each other but as you say it will be the first time we've actually met in person for six years so if people want to register, if people want to find out more, there is a deadline, a nominal deadline of the 22nd of January, insofar as there is a block booking on the hotel. So it would be very good if you could register before then and book your room so that the room is part of that block. And you can find more information on uh, various websites, including the ICEB website, which is iceb.org and Banzat, the Braille Authority of New Zealand, Altera Trust. And you can find them. They are the host of the 2024 General Assembly. They're the New Zealand Braille Authority. You can find them at Banzat, B-A-N-Z-A-T dot org dot N-Z. And there's a link to the ICEB registration form right there 
on the homepage. So very, very prominent. And obviously details are still being finalized. We don't know for sure how the live stream is going to work. We haven't had a conference program yet. All of that is to come. James, if people want to find out more, if people want to stay in touch and, you know, continue to receive, you know, maybe an email update uh, as things develop, uh, how can they do that? Oh, yeah, sure. In fact, I would recommend anybody join the ICEB announce list. It's a very low traffic, one way only announce list. And ICEB will tell you all the exciting things which are going on, which normally includes the announcement of general assemblies and things like that. And also any significant updates, for example, to Braille rules. And you can join that. It's a very low traffic list. I mean, you probably get what an email every month or an email every two months or something like that or if if that yes i mean there might be a few more in the run-up to the general assembly you know you might get one a week or something but it's hardly invasive and you can join that by sending a blank email message to iceb hyphen announce plus subscribe at groups.io or you can visit groups.io forward slash G forward slash ICEB. James Bowden talking to me about the 8th General Assembly of the International Council on English Braille, which is taking place from Saturday the 25th of May to Thursday the 30th of May at the Grand Millennium Hotel Auckland, 71 Merrill Drive, Corner Vincent Street, Auckland Central, New Zealand. And you can find more information in the show notes. Moving now from an international perspective to a national one, and the Roundtable on Information Access for People with Print Disabilities is holding its annual conference in Perth, Western Australia, the week before the ICEB General Assembly. This is also a conference which we thought would be of interest to listeners to this podcast, and so I'm delighted to be joined by Chantelle Griffith. Chantelle, of course, no stranger to this podcast. She moderates many of the events at the Brailists Foundation, does a lot of work behind the scenes, and is also the founder and chief executive officer at New Zealand's Tactile and Technology Literacy Centre. And I started off by asking Chantelle to just tell us a bit more about the roundtable. The roundtable consists of organisations such as state and federal governments, businesses, alternate format producers, uh, libraries, community organisations and some disability organisations and they all get together in order to exchange knowledge and best practice really about producing accessible documents and those organisations are largely based all around Australia and from New Zealand as well. And they do a lot of really interesting things. They produce guidelines for the production of alternate format materials, not just Braille, you get things like e-text, large print and audio as well. And so the Roundtable Conference is the main event where organisations and representatives within the Roundtable Network and the community as well, they get together and they spend three or four days together sharing all this amazing information about what's happened in the past couple of years in the alternate format sector. Okay, so it's an Australia-based entity, but there are representatives from New Zealand as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's a really big deal over here uh, in New Zealand where I am to to attend things like the Roundtable Conference because 
we're quite isolated from a lot of other countries. It takes a long time to get here in comparison to countries in Europe. And so it's a great chance for everybody from all over Australia and from New Zealand to to get together and share these ideas because we don't get to do it very often. So when we do, we really take advantage of it. So we get organisations, for example, like Blind Low Vision NZ and Blends and some small organisations as well going over to participate in the conference. And you've hosted it in New Zealand once or twice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time it is hosted in Australia. But yeah, we've hosted it here a few times as well. So it's an annual event. And this year, I think it's happening in Perth. Yes. And I'm quite interested in going to Perth. I've never been to Perth. And many of the other people I've spoken to haven't been to Perth either. And it's really great that they choose to host it in a different city location every year, regardless of whether that's in Australia or New Zealand. So people get a chance to travel to different places, perhaps network with organisations in those different places and to really get to know the country as well. So whether it's Australia or New Zealand, you get a chance to meet people in different places and share that information. Yeah, and that seems to be a big theme of it. So although end users do go to Roundtable, I'm getting the impression that really it's the sort of conference that you probably ask your workplace to pay for. It's probably not the conference that your average end user would pay for themselves. No, but in saying that, we do have individual consumers that go. So people who are really passionate about Braille and very interested in what's happening, or if it happens to be in their home city, for example, they may not be able to travel or have the desire to travel to the conference to go. But certainly if it's in their city, they may decide to pay for it themselves. And there is an option available for individual self-funded consumers to go. But most people, as you said, they do get their workplaces to pay for their conference fees. So on the subject of registration, then there are different pricing tiers, aren't there? Roughly kind of, I mean, do you know how much it is? And would that price include the accommodation normally? Or would you have to pay for the accommodation separately? It really depends on where you're coming from. So pricing for roundtable members and non-roundtable members is a lot higher. And of course, it's in Australian dollars. So we're looking at maybe seven or 800-ish Australian dollars. Self-funded consumers is a lot less than that. So we're looking at maybe three or 400 or, or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's just the conference fees. But within that, you can buy several different package types. So for example, you could buy a package for the entire conference of four days, and that includes the meeting of the Australian Braille Authority that happens at the beginning. It also includes things like the conference dinner and the welcome function, or you can just come for a day. So it might be that you discover that there are presentations on a particular day focusing on a particular theme, for example, music or producing Braille documents or something like that, that you would like to come to as a consumer. So you might choose to just come for one day, which makes it a lot more doable for people. So generally your accommodation and your travel costs are paid for separately to those fees. Yeah. And your meal costs, presumably, apart from the conference dinner are paid for separately as well. So yeah, but you can normally get um, some meals. For example, you might be able to get breakfast included with your conference package. And often the conference itself will supply lunch and morning and afternoon tea and snacks and things like that throughout the day. So you've said in all of that that it's a four-day conference to include the ABA annual meeting. So the ABA annual meeting normally happens on a Saturday, I think, if my memory serves. And I guess this is like the AGM of the ABA. We should probably actually qualify what the ABA is and what happens at an ABA meeting. So the 
ABA uh, stands for Australian Braille Authority and they are a subcommittee of Roundtable. They are the body that sets the standards and, and does all the Braille related things for Australia. So the ABA meeting generally lasts for the entirety of the Saturday. And the Saturday is generally the first day of the conference. So within that, in the morning and maybe partway through the afternoon, they will have things like the general business of the AGM, going through all of those things, reports from different agencies that are involved around the country, specialist reports such as maybe Brown Music reports or other committees like the Australian New Zealand Accessible Graphics Group and things like that. And then in the afternoon, sometimes what they do is they run a workshop on a particular theme or with a particular focus as well. So it might be tactile graphics, for example, or a particular area that people have asked to know more about throughout the year. So it's usually a hands-on sort of a workshop or a discussion about something of interest to the people that are going to be attending the conference. And the rest of the conference sounds like it goes along a similar kind of vein. There's a mixture of presentation papers and workshops on a number of topics. And it kind of feels like maybe some of those papers are going to be revisited at ICEB, but not all of them. So is there an advantage to going to both conferences, would you say? I think going to both conferences gives you a chance to get a feel for what happens really in the Australasia region and how things are done here. The major players and also some of the smaller organisations, how everyone works together and the initiatives that are being developed are really showcased here. So yeah, you're right, there is quite a bit of crossover perhaps between the Roundtable and ICEB, but there's a lot of interactive things as well. So you might get an hour-long workshop on a particular topic where you can really sit down and have a play with a multi-line braille display or some tactile graphics that someone's produced or have a look at something or a really in-depth discussion of something. So, for example, last year, one of the workshops was on Indigenous languages or first languages and how we can improve access to those for people who read braille. So there's a lot of those kind of interactive topics as well as just your regular presentations that you may see at a conference where people sort of showcase or highlight a topic that they've been working on or a, or a particular topic of interest. But the real advantage, I suppose, to going to Roundtable is that you just get a flavour for what happens in this region and how we do things. And that might be a little bit different to the way that other organisations or other communities do them around the world. And I suppose the other advantage of something like Roundtable, because you've got so many players, like you said, in e-text and large print and audio, you tend to get, I guess, more overlap and more holistic approaches to things. So you might get a presentation that has a Braille element, but it also has a large print element. And you can talk about the alternative format industry as a whole. I think I saw one or two presentations about how alternative formats lead to employment and those sorts of things that you perhaps wouldn't get at ICEB. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the conference focusing on print disability is that it's not exclusively related to Braille. So that means that, you know, even if your main area of interest is Braille, quite often for myself anyway, I go there and I learn so much about how other formats are produced or things that I don't necessarily think of being a producer of Braille and a Braille user myself. So for example, you learn about free tools from places like the DAISY Consortium that allow you to produce accessible DAISY and e-text, which I wouldn't necessarily learn about in the way that I did if I hadn't gone to things like Roundtable. And it's also a place where we can really have a look at some of the 
technology that's out there. So it's a place where exhibitors come and suppliers and they showcase their products too. And especially for us here in New Zealand at the moment, we don't really get access to technology displays as such. And we don't often get to see these new things that come out that might be available even in Australia or in the UK or US or other parts of the world. So it's a really good chance for us to really get our hands on some of these products and ask questions of the suppliers and sometimes the creators of the product as well. And I guess I can imagine there being several epiphany moments at conferences like Roundtable, especially the first few times you go, because you see an approach. You were talking about Daisy and and converting those formats. You see how those formats are created at source and you look at them and you go, well, actually, this doesn't look too terribly different to how I produce my Braille stuff. So actually, if we just tweaked this process a bit, all of a sudden, and then you really start to get some really quite creative thinking going in a room. And it must be quite palpable to experience actually being in the room when all of this creative stuff is happening. It's really powerful because, like you said, then there's so many opportunities you you mentioned about tools for the workplace and other things. So it really makes you think outside the box a bit more because you may be used to doing things or experiencing things or thinking about things in a certain way. And then you get into a room with all these people, with all these different perspectives, and all of a sudden you have these epiphanies and you're like, oh, I never knew that if I just did this one thing, I can turn my already quite accessible documents, not only into braille but also into audio and daisy and all these wonderful formats and it's actually quite straightforward even for me as a braille producer for example to do and again it's just a whole different perspective and I think that's one of the really valuable things that a lot of people take away is the fact that like you said you get in the room with all these people and you're discussing things and you're going down all these wonderful tangents and rabbit holes and some really excellent partnerships can be made and discussions formed and projects started by getting in a room with people like this and having these kinds of discussions, really, really creative discussions. And even when you're not at the conference itself afterwards, if you're sitting at dinner or having a drink after the conference, you know, the discussions keep going. And then you talk about things that you'd like to see or people that you'd like to speak to. And it's absolutely incredible the sorts of things that come out of a conference like this. So, Registration is open. It'll be open for another few months yet, I imagine. Obviously, a lot of listeners to this podcast would be very welcome to attend. You might need to uh, hop on a long distance flight in order to get there, but I'm sure international people would be made very, very welcome. And if people wanted more information about the Roundtable Conference and if people want to register, where can they go to do that and to find out more? So printdisability.org is the website that you can go to if you would like more information. They do have a newsletter that you can sign up to and all the conference and registration information is there if you would like to find out more. There are even some past papers and things that you can have a look at to see the types of things that they're talking about. The conference program and everything's there along with a list of the presenters. So you can get a really good feel for what's going on. Chantelle Griffiths in conversation with me about the National Conference of the Roundtable on Information Access for People with Print Disabilities, which is taking place at the Novotel Perth Langley 221 Adelaide Terrace, Perth, Western Australia. Early bird registration is open now and it will close on the 29th of February 2024. The conference theme is Information Equity, Empowerment Through Technology, Advocacy and Collaboration. The annual meeting of the Australian Braille Authority will be held on Saturday the 18th of May, followed immediately by the Roundtable Conference from Sunday the 19th of May to Tuesday the 21st of May. And you can find more information once again in the show notes. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice. Or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at brailcast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at The Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a resilience grant from the Social Impact Fund of the Vision Foundation and Fight for Sight. For more information, visit visionfoundation.org.uk.